Well, thank you so much, Hans, for joining me today. I'm very excited to talk about your incredible journey, you know, your path as, as a founder and, and now sort of a, you know, a leader in, in the world in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, we'll go through a, a ton of your highlights a, a little bit. But before we get into how you became the third Canadian female unicorn founder, which is one of the most incredible, incredible stories. Let's just talk about your your journey first and kind of within the startup landscape, you know, starting businesses, I guess just take us to the earliest the earliest remembrance you have of like, hey, I kind of want to start a company. And then how'd you go about doing that? Yeah, awesome. Hi, Grant. Thank you so much for having me here. Jeez, I guess, I mean, going back, if I was to actually talk about what got me started in entrepreneurship, it definitely would be my family. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My dad, my dad used to do door-to-door vacuum cleaner sales, <laughs> which you can just imagine what kind of person you had to be to be able to, uh, you know, hit the pavement and do that kind of work. But, um, and that was actually before I was born, he had that. So very successful. They had a a very large business and did that while door-to-door sales was still a thing. And when when I came along, you know, my dad really, really instilled a lot of the lessons that he learned in sales. You know, the things that he used to say to me all the time was, you know, Tannis, uh, it's a numbers game. Everything in life is a numbers game. You just put in the numbers, you put in the time, and eventually you'll succeed. And, you know, these were the kind of lessons that he would say, you can do anything, you just work hard. You can, you can make anything work if you just work hard. That was kind of instilled in me early enough that skies was the limit, really. And so to see them do that after after they sold that business, uh, he did end up working in sales uh, for Yellow Pages. But <laughs> nice. <laughs> and again, just more of that philosophy of how how you look at life. And yeah. So I never really had any. Um, I never felt like I would have any limitations in whatever it was that I set out to do. And so uh, entrepreneurship was modeled to me um, in a lot of different facets in my life. So if I get asked like, oh, how did you go to that? Well, it, was, it just was introduced to me as always as an alternative. My siblings opened restaurants and opened other businesses. And so it just was always a, modeled around me. And so it just, it, it was just kind of an expectation, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like growing up in a, in a family of musicians. Yeah. You know, you just kind of, it's just your environment. You kind of mm-hmm. learn on the fly and you just kind of pick up little tidbits and all of a sudden you're playing an instrument, right? Or you're singing or something like that. Yeah, and the same with, you know, entrepreneurship or small businesses. Like if it's around you, you're just going to pick up little things. You're going to kind of understand, you know, how things work and then you know, maybe you fall in love with it in some way. When we have family that are there to sort of support us early on and, you know, just kind of give you that that will and that confidence to to build upon, right? At such an early age, it, it just, it lasts forever. And for me too, you know, the expectation, I, I was the first one in my family to graduate high school. All, wow. everyone, everyone else went off and, and kind of started businesses. So we never really talked about college or university. And that was another interesting thing that when I graduated high school, I started my first company about a year later. And uh, same sort of thing that the pressure was never to go to school to get mm. to get a job. Uh, you know, it, it just sort of was left there to. So what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, what school are you going to go to? It's just like, what are you going to do with your life? And, and what's your plans? And yeah, I was fortunate that opportunity arose early. Well, you've. You've built several companies, several successful companies, but I would say the biggest one is is probably truly you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess talk about I guess how that you know idea came about, and we'll get into sort of 
co-founders a, a little later and something yeah. you're sort of striving to to bring out in the world now. What were those early days like in, in building that unicorn? Yeah, so the the, the prequel to, to truly starting was um, I started our first business with my best friend in high school. He and I were best friends and, and he brought an idea to me about identity, uh, online identity files, getting access to your credit report online. That was and this was 2011? Tw- about 2000, I'd say. 2000. Okay. Yeah, around 2000. Um, or maybe even sooner, but yeah. <laughs> and and so we, we found ourselves, we, we built this business and we found ourselves in this very niche industry, which was in the identity space. And, and every company that we started had some sort of background into that. And over 10 years, we had built three companies, each of them were successfully exited. And it, it, again, it just was us falling into it. We never really searched it out. And then when our last when we finished our third company, um, I had just basically turned 30 and decided to start a family. And Steve wasn't done yet. So he's like, you know what? This idea that we had about identity verification, I'm just, I'm going to go to Silicon Valley. And <laughs> I just want to be in that environment. We, you know, we never, we never did universities. So that was like our version of like, hey, let's go absorb yeah. ourselves into this culture. And so off he went and I stayed in, in Vancouver to... Uh, open a small little office with a couple of engineers to kind of work on this idea that we had. And um, within about a year and a half, we raised our first round. And then Sky's, you know, it just started basically. And and away we went. But yeah, it was really just uh, an idea that we had that we wanted to change how identity was going to be verified uh, through digital yep. cyber footprints. And it was extremely innovative. No one had had gone that way. And so it was our expertise over the last 10 years that I think really definitely drew how we got our first funding. And moving to, and having him move to Silicon Valley and you staying in Vancouver, was that difficult early on? Because this was sort of before, you know, remote work. And when you think of early stage startups, you know, back in that era, you know, it's, it's hands-on, it's together every day, Mm -hmm. you know, working, you know, 16 hours a day, right? Like side by side. Yeah. When you look back at that, how did that how did you guys navigate that process well it was interesting it actually fell into the fact just our, our life stages i had two kids under the age of 2 when we started wow. when we started trulia <laughs> so i did not have the the mobility options that he did and so for him it was much easier and so it was just natural the great thing about i think our partnership upon reflection is we we were very good at saying okay here's the situation we're in can't do anything about it. So how are we going to make it work? And I think if if co-founders have that attitude and everything, I think a lot of conflict can be mitigated. But it just was like, well, I can't move. You can. You work from your side. I'll work from here. And we'll just make it it work. And I think that was sort of the mentality uh, that we had. So it it was relatively simple for us to do that. You know, we talked a little bit before we recorded. And I think, you know, the word co-founder, it kind of comes up enough but i don't think as much as it should when we when we talk about you know startups in in any stage you know any sector it's sort of raising capital is is you know number one right that's sort of the top of mind for for a lot of early stage founders that you know hiring and growth and there's all these different aspects that that go into it and now we have so many tools that you know you can be you know a solo founder and, and kind of launch a lot of things on your own um, but one of the hardest things you know, to do is, is really find a co-founder. You know, you were very fortunate, right? You, you kind of met, you yeah. had a friend, right? Early yeah. on that, that you kind of build together with, learn together with. 
And now you've built a unicorn on the board of a, a global nonprofit. And now you have the co-founders hub. Talk about this next chapter of your life and kind of what you want that to be with with co-founders hub. Yeah. So when I was doing uh, research for the book, I, I very quickly realized that the strength of a company lies in the strength of the partnership. And when the partnership is struggling, inevitably the business will begin to struggle too. And mm-hmm. I'm a, I have a huge passion for entrepreneurship. I think it is the foundation of a strong economy. I think it is what drives innovation and disruption and moves us ahead as a, as a civilization. Mm-hmm. And so when I started to see that it really was these partnerships that, I mean, I talked to founders who, who are founders of big companies who at that time were only talking to each other through their office manager. Mm, like, I mean, serious, wow. like serious things happening. <laughs> and, and I call it silently suffering. And, and, and what that is, is that there's business partners who are struggling in their partnership, whether they're, they ha- they're not getting past a difficult conversation or there or there's serious issues in the partnership, but they have nobody to talk to because mm. you can't share that information with your investors because that'll scare them. You can't share it with your employees. It's too private. Right. You can't even talk about it at home because your family doesn't have the real essence of what's happening in the trenches in your business. So you're really alone in this space. And what I saw is that the longer that partnerships sort of struggled or, or tried to sweep things under the rug or didn't deal with issues, the worse off the company came. And I thought, well, if I could just help people build stronger partnerships or find the right co-founder in the first place, then actually what I'm doing is helping like lift entrepreneurship in the way that I think is important. And so that was really what started what started my journey there. I know this could be an odd question and you know you might you might get it often. I guess, what are some of the steps or, or advice you would recommend on, you know, how to find a co-founder? <laughs> you know, yeah. I know that it's it's kind of weird, but it's it's one of the most important decisions you'll ever make if you're going to go down the path of, you know, starting a company. What oh. I, I guess, what tips or advice would you give for that that early decision making? Is there certain traits that you you want to see in a person? I, I guess, what are some of the the tips you would give to people? Grant, you always nail it. You're always you're already saying the answers before <laughs> I even have to say it. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. It is the most important thing. I dedicate half the book to how to find the right co-founder. And I think what what I find interesting is that a lot of people start off by thinking about the co-founder first. Mm-hmm. And I like to sort of change that narrative a little bit. And I and I say, I need you to actually look at yourself first before you think, okay, I need a, a founder with a certain skill set. I find that a lot of times people don't do enough homework in what exactly should I be looking for? And oftentimes, if you do a, what I call the self-assessment on yourself, you start, you you can very clearly see the holes that you need. And, and so we actually ended up creating a tool uh, about this because it's not just looking at what is my personality trait? How does it work well with that? What are my skills? What, you know, what am I missing? But there's even conversations like, uh, how, how detailed are you in stuff? Are, are you comfortable? Is you And what kind of business are you in? Can you be traveling and not have a co-founder sitting back at the office, you know, running the show? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a lot of specific stuff. And so there's actually a lot to think about when it comes to what kind of co-founder and where some people might think, oh, I have a business idea, I need a tech co-founder, or I'm opening a restaurant and I need a chef. 
way bigger than that. I find that there's actually a lot more important factors to consider. And and again, it just depends on what industry, it depends on what life stage you're in. You know, are you are you sure. young? Are you, you know, are you still living with your parents or are you an empty nester now? And you, you know, all these different factors actually are really, really important to consider before you bring on a co-founder and do that search and start that search. Was there any you know, facts or statistics when researching for the book that you even raised your eyebrows a little bit around co-founders? Yeah, for sure. So like a couple of ones are 35% of co-founders just dived in with the person that they kind of ideation went through the ideation stage with sure. um, and just like, oh, I'll just partner with you. And again, that that isn't always the best option. Sometimes that person isn't fit or ready to take on partnership, but you feel obligated because, mm. wow, we talked about it together. Like, how bad is it that I w- would just say, oh, I don't want you as a partner. But there are really, really great ways that you can still recognize and award people who helped you in the early stages without them having to jump on as a co-founder. So so helping people in that position is another one. And then the majority of businesses that are started begin as a partnership. Yet of the ones that fail, 65% do so because of issues between the founders. Wow. So um, I had a chance to speak to a MBA graduation class at university. And I started off the, the class with a question. And that was, you know, what do you think are some <laughs> of the greatest liabilities in your business? And every like you mentioned in the beginning of, the, of this podcast that, oh, you know, oh, it's access to capital or a great product, or you have to have excellent customer service or execution plan needs to be great. Right. And no one ever mentioned a strong co-founder partnership. Yeah. And so it is about not realizing that 65 of the percent of the businesses will fail because of issues there like that is one of the biggest issues and the focus of you know the book that I'm doing in the hub is to really shine a light back on that partnership and say it's so important to be intentional yeah no it's interesting you said you spoke at at an MBA class because it seems like you know and maybe and maybe you'll build it right but it it should be part of the curriculum though right like we have these (laughs) like we said before we're like have these courses about capital raise or marketing, have entire degrees, right? We have how to deal with governments and there's all these different courses and classes, you know, for certain type of, of companies, but there is not a course or a class around mm-hmm. co-founders, right? Yeah. It's so, yeah. it's so odd. Well, there is at the hub, the co-founder. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And I think it's because it's so relational. I find that a lot of times people will parallel the co-founder partnership to a marriage and they kind yeah. of seem to say like, oh yeah, you gotta, you, it has to be the same way. And in many ways, there's a lot of similarities, but I push back a little bit and I say, I almost look at it more like, like a triad where the co-founders, um, like if you're in a marriage, you focus on each other and each other's mm-hmm. well-being is the, is, is the most important. You sacrifice for one another. But what I like to say is I... I like to say that it's almost like being married to the business and and you guys are like I don't know you're di- you're together but the focus the, the center point is the business and if you if your goal is to always put make your business the priority then it 
depersonalizes that co-founder relationship. And it's a little bit easier to make decisions that tend to be emotional or relationship fueled. And so you can go, all right, I know you want your son to work in the business. And I can imagine the, you know, the emotional, you know, investment you have in this decision, but we agreed that we're going to focus on what is the best for the company and not on necessarily what's the best for one another. And so, you know, what is happening here? And I think those, that kind of envisioning on how you will manage your business and your partnership really helps to take away potential resentment, distrust, all these emotions that can come up in a partnership. I want to, so we, we kind of, you know, co-founders usually, you know, based in, in you know, private markets and, and startups kind of early on and building from the ground up. But now you sort of see this wave of, you know, co-CEOs mm-hmm. at public companies, yeah. Netflix being you know, the glaring one, but there's there's absolutely others now that are going down that path. What's your thoughts on that? Do you think that'll be a, a trend that stays and you think it's positive? Yeah, I think I think it's possible positive if done right. Yeah. And again, you know, expectation expectations is the 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 trickiest a part of a partnership because when people say, Oh, I expected they would do this or I thought this was gonna mm. happen, that's where the where the problems lie. So I am big on saying, let's talk about everything. Let's put everything in writing, knowing it's going to change. I mean, I built four companies. I know that weekly things can change, (laughs) but to be able to have those conversations that are, are really, really important and then writing it down so that it kind of solidifies it and allows you to to really confidently move forward because you know where everybody stands. It's that when there's expectations that are not communicated, that's when trouble comes out. So I think a co-founder at any stage, I, I've, I've met lots of founders who bring in a co-founder halfway through because they've decided to create a whole other division of their business mm. and they bring in a co-founder for that portion of it. And it's like, how do I integrate them into my company, give them access to everything, but then they they kind of control a whole other part. And it, again, totally doable and brilliant if you can find somebody who's, um, you know, wants to jump in the trenches with you. But again, it really is important to communicate, take the time, invest. This is one of the biggest investments you'll ever do. So uh, don't treat it lightly. In, in doing some of your research as well, did you find any information or, or data around, you know, raising money with a co-founder, right? Going mm-hmm. to investors yeah. rather than going by yourself trying to raise. Is it is it more likely you'll raise do you, or, or, mm-hmm. or get positive response if you go on a roadshow with a co-founder, yeah. you know, pitching for capital rather than by yourself? <laughs> Great question. So, it, you know, the statistics are very, very interesting um, when it comes to that. So, and, and it really depends on the VCs that you talk to. I talk to, I've talked to VCs who are like, if it's a solopreneur, I don't even... I don't even talk Mm. to them. Like, that's it. I don't like automatically they're out. Those are like one of the first two questions I ask, you know, so that is, that is a key one. And then there's others who will say, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I'm willing to look at both, but across the board, you'll find VCs will say they're concerned about solopreneurs. (laughs) After they talk to me, they become more concerned about (laughs) 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 co-founders. They're like, what? Is it that bad? (laughs) Can it be that bad? So it's a little bit of both, but I 
think in general, a co-foundership is generally looked at as a little less risky. And again, it, it really depends on the background of the founder and, and, and what they bring to the table. But I would say if, if I had to say what do VCs lean towards, they definitely lean towards co-founderships. I want to switch gears slightly for a little bit here because I want to kind of dive in on, you know, nonprofits for a second. Hmm. You've been on both sides of it. I guess, what are your thoughts about leadership in sort of a nonprofit environment? Would you say it's sort of the, the same? I just, over the last sort of, I don't know, I guess like five years or so, I've, I've gained a new respect for really well-run nonprofits because mm. I think there's such a there's such a value in the sort of supply chain of humanity where nonprofits have to be really, really effective. Mm. And you know, there's there's always going to be bad companies. There's going to be bad nonprofits. But the nonprofits that do things really, really well and efficiently, I mean, they they really drive a lot of things, even in economies, right? I mean, even for on the for profit side, a lot of mm. private public partnerships drive tons of tons of things for for us as as global citizens. I guess what's your what's your experience been like, kind of being on board at, at a really large nonprofit and and working on that side of things? Yeah, having the opportunity to be on um, Ally Global's board, I too have a a, a huge respect for what it takes to build um, a successful uh, nonprofit because you are dealing with uh, a very unique set of factors that you won't find in, say, like a, a public or private business. I find that, you know, in these instances, the leadership, who they are and their mission and their belief in the mission. I mean, it's the same thing for, for say, a CEO or a founder of, of a public, but I think it's even amplified more that whoever is leading it or who has founded that has to really be authentically bought into what it is they're doing and the mission. And there's a lot more, I think, self-sacrifice that I think is expected of a leader in a nonprofit. And I think those that succeed recognize that and they take the spotlight off themselves and move it onto the mission of the company and the business. And I think that's what creates buy-in, not just from team and staff, but also from uh, donors as well, right? When the donors yeah. actually see that the sacrifices that this leader is taking in order to achieve the mission, I think that becomes really the difference between success and failure in a nonprofit. As you look forward to the future a little bit, you've had so many successes, but with the with the book and then the co-founders hub, what does success look like for you in this in this new venture, in this new chapter? around around this specialty in this sector that you're focused on now? What, what does success look like for you? Or what are some of the goals that you want to you want to happen over the next sort of three to five years, let's say? So I think this stage in my life now, I want to call it that. And <laughs> I call it, I guess, the success, success to significance kind of portion mm, where, yeah. you know, what what is of value to me? It was actually when I was leaving Trulio and I was contemplating the next steps in my life. That was sort of my question. I said, what do I want to do? And I thought, well, I love speak public speaking. I love, I love sharing what it is that I know. And I thought, well, what, what is the topic that I could speak on? And I could talk about entrepreneurship, of course, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of people in that space. Yeah. So what made it unique? And, and then I would advise a lot of founders on their co-foundership partnerships. And I realized that that was really the place that I could be. So I think the next three to five years, the focus is really to create uh, obviously a new focus on the partnership, you know, start to put that on the table 
and shine a light on it and and help founders to be intentional. And I'm hoping that as we as a company grow um, and with the book is that we actually start to be able to improve businesses and start to really give a voice to to founders and help them to see how important that person who's right there beside them and enjoy the journey because of it. That's the other thing too. Like your co-founder should yeah. be there to so that you've got great stories. Steven and I will sit down and I mean, I mean, we've got stories that only we share together and it's hilarious. And it's like such, I would not give up any of that. I'd, I'd give up all the money just for the, for the experiences because how, how awesome is that to have an idea and see it grow? It's almost like having a child together. <laughs> you see yeah. them and you talk about, oh my gosh, remember these times and, and all that feeling that, that it conjures up and it can be so amazing and it can be so awesome. And I really want people to look back on their experience as an entrepreneur and a journey and be able to say, you know what, whatever ended up happening, that was an awesome ride. And it, <laughs> how cool is it to have a person, this person beside me and we can talk about it together. So, so I'm hoping really to be able to um, assist people people so that they can have that experience who should when people you know sign up for the co-founders how like what, what should they expect who's sort of the right stage of of the is there a certain stage of the company that this is this is helpful for is it sort of yeah so this is for people who are looking for a co-founder are in a co-founder partnership or are trying to get out of one because they're struggling and want to exit. Mm, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it literally runs the whole gamut. <laughs> so we have tools for like, say the self-assessment, right? That I mentioned earlier, we have a tool for that. All the questions you need to sit down and, and contemplate and think about to help you come up with that list of factors and uh, pieces about a co-founder that you need to find and look for. Then we have our discovery session, which is that about 120 different questions and conversations to have with your co-founder. This is that these are those questions that I say, mm. talk about it now before yeah. you have to talk about it later. And, and it's and it's emotionally charged. So we have the discuss, and that's amazing for people who are in a partnership to say, hey, let's talk. It helps them talk about vision. It helps them talk about how they're going to run their teams. And it it just takes all those expectations and it puts it down on paper. So that's so that's the other piece. And then it, it'll also be significant resources for how to find. We have a, that one is about to launch as well. People who are looking co-founders, there's so many people looking for either opportunity Mm -hmm. or looking for a co-founder. So we have that. And then ultimately, it's a community. It's, um, it's a place for founders to come together, talk to one another. We have events and conferences, team building conferences that are in the, in the, in the roster coming up as well. So it's really going to be the place for everything that you need, no matter what stage of the partnership that you're in. Well, thank you so much, Tannis, for, for joining me. It's such a great idea. And, you know, it doesn't seem like you fail very much. So <laughs> I, I, I don't, I have no doubts that this is going to be uh, really impactful for, for founders and, and, and for companies and, and even, you know, creating more founders and, yes. you know, creating more companies. Like we said before, I think it just drives, drives the economies globally and it, it sort of drives innovation. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, something I'm passionate about. I know you are as well. So thanks for taking the time and, and best of luck for, for the next, next decade. Awesome. Thank you so much, Grant. <laughs>